0: Is going on only playbook fans. We are back for another episode. Wildcard weekend is over. We're gonna talk all about it. I'm Sweetheart. I got Chovit and Shashot here today. Full house. How are we doing? First playoff weekend has officially wrapped up, guys.
1: Doing pretty good. Doing pretty solid. It was kind of exciting. I I, I thought the games that I covered were going to be like lopsided affairs and they're gonna be boring to watch. But hey, surprisingly, a lot of games were fun and uh, and interesting to watch. So glad that didn't come into fruition.
2: Yeah, I think they were all fun, right? There was not, except for the Cowboys game. Everything else was pretty dead on, and the magic number was like thirty-one. If you scored thirty-one points, you would likely win the game, unless we'll, we'll get there.
0: <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of scoring. That's what I noticed. All of the overs hit, uh, except the Cowboys game, which lost by the hook. And we'll get into that. So that there was no reason that should have lost, right? There were four chances to have that hit, and that didn't work out. So um, a lot of scoring, more scoring than I think Vegas predicted. But Shovit, you're right. We talked about it on the preview episode. We're like, man, all the games you're covering, the spread's like almost double digits. Game's probably not going to be close. And uh, Mm -hmm. most of the games were close. So let's get into it. A couple things I want to jump or talk about real quick before we jump into the action, guys. So let's kick it off with Water Cooler Talk. I guess the... The cause and effect, the effect of what happened for the Chargers at, during their game, which we'll talk about Shoshot, you'll talk all about that game. But they did, in fact, fire their offensive coordinator, coordinator Joe Lombardi spent two years with the team. Uh, <clears throat> you know, the weird that you scored 30 points in a playoff game and you get fired. Um, but there's obviously reasons for that. Um, which we'll talk more about, you know, as of the result of the game. And then the Browns were not in the playoffs, did some coaching shuffle. They hired Jim Schwartz as their defensive coordinator, who he, he's a known guy in the NFL. He coached the Lions back in the day for a couple of seasons. And uh, most recently, like his most notable position, he was the defensive coordinator for the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl for five years ago, 2017, 2018. So uh, he's officially going to be the Browns' defensive coordinator. We know their defensive side of the ball was atrocious. So a couple coaching changes there. And I'm sure as playoffs progress and as the offseason, uh, gets into full swing, we will see a lot more coaching shuffle. <clears throat> that is all I have for watercolor talk. Get, guys, let's get into it. I will kick us off. The Seattle Seahawks traveled to San Francisco to take on the 49ers for a third time this year. What were we hearing all week? You can't beat a team three times. It's hard to beat a team three times. Well, when you're the San Francisco 49ers, it quite frankly does not matter. They were far- they were favored by nine points, and they did cover the spread. Final score looks a little bit more lopsided than I think the game environment and watching the game led us to believe. 23-41, to 41, San Francisco wins by 18. Over 42, San Francisco nearly covers that by themselves. And like I said, it was a great back-and-forth affair in the first half, right? I mean, uh, early on, San Francisco was just you know all of their tools they were utilizing early on it was like hey we can beat you with everything which we kind of expected but it was it was crazy to see it on like the first drive you saw a debo run you saw a cmc run you saw a cmc catch you know, lined up where Debo lines up, and see, C- and Debo was lined up where CMC was lined up, and so already then I'm like, oh god, I mean, this is the first drive, and Kyle Shanahan's like not leaving anything out there, not leaving anything in his bag of tricks, tricks, right? And so um I think that was what I saw early on, and Brandon Ayuk was just killing them with those crossing patterns. It was like every second and long, Brandon Ayuk across the middle, and. I mean, it was Seattle's Achilles heel for most of the season. And I think that's kind of what we saw as their defense just isn't good. They weren't generating any pressure. Brock Purdy had about five to seven seconds to throw on most of his drop packs. So, I mean, at that point, you're going to find guys, he did his job was accurate. um, But you know, credit on the other side in the first half. Geno Smith used his legs a ton. Uh, he had that bomb to DK Metcalf in the first half to take the lead 14 to 13. And, you know, the game was good there, right? I mean, the 49ers were scoring. Seattle came back and scored. 49ers scored again. Seattle answered. And before the half, Seattle actually kicked that field goal to w- take the lead. So you're looking at a situation where Seattle has the momentum going into halftime. And, you know, the 49ers defense that's supposed to be amazing has already surrendered 17 points and a 65 yard bomb to DK Metcalf. So the second half was set up to be epic, but I don't know if it was adjustments. I don't know if it was, they were just like, all right, let's, let's just kind of kick it into gear. But the second half was basically all San Francisco, San Francisco um, started off the second half with a huge drive, scored the touchdown and Seattle's about to answer, but that's when Gino gets stra- strip sack inside the 20. And I think that was it, right? I mean, we saw a game where it was back and forth, back and forth, which team was going to get stopped first, which team was going to turn the ball over first, but San Francisco having that eight-minute drive to start the second half and score. Seattle was about to answer and they get strip sack. I mean, that's a demoralizing uh change of events and, and kind of the turning point of the game. After that, it was all San Francisco. I mean, Seattle had a garbage touchdown at the end of DK Metcalf. But again, final score 41 to 23. I mean, let's give some credit where it's due. Big cock Brock, 332 through the air, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Scrambled when he needed to, four for 16, and actually ran one into the end zone on that quarterback sneak for a touchdown. CMC, efficient as hell, 15 carries, 119 yards, caught two balls for 17 yards and a touchdown. Debo, Swiss Army, knifing it up, six for 133 and a score, ran the ball three times for 32 yards. So again, They were using all their weapons. Ayuk got into the action. Kittle had some timely catches. And again, Geno Smith on the other side, 253 through the air, two scores, one interception, Ford through the ground for 28 yards. Kenneth Walker got into the end zone once. DK had the monstrous day, 10 for 136 and two scores. That's exciting to see. Tough matchup in the playoffs. DK, can he be the true number one? Can they feed him the ball? And I mean, they fed him the ball, and he really responded. He was against Jarverius Ford for most of the game, and, and that's a tough matchup. So for him to put up those numbers, pretty impressive. Lockett, 6 for 39. He came into the game hobbled and really, you know, ultimately was a non-factor. But when your defense allows 505 yards of total offense, guys, you're really not going to win the game. You force zero turnovers and you allow them to convert on over 50% of their third down. So, again, fun matchup in the first half. Second half, San Francisco put their foot on the gas and took care of business. What did you guys see in this game?
1: Yeah, I saw Brock Purdy doing some pretty nice things. I hate to keep saying that, but he he looked good. And uh, Shashou, you mentioned it while you, we were watching the game that he keeps going to the left, and I, I noticed that. Like he, Yeah, he keeps going to – when he's rolling out, he's going to the left, and then uh, he kind of made that adjustment, right, with that one play where he kind of looked like Patrick Mahomes in the second half. He went to the right and, and throws the touchdown. And so it's like things like that, you're, you're seeing improvements on Brock Purdy. So is he the real deal? I think he is, man. I think this guy's got something, uh, definitely a talent that they have found. Yeah.
2: Um, What's, you know, what's really crazy is you can put quarterbacks like Sam Darnold and, you know, some of these athletic guys that don't really, we don't know them for the athleticism. And I think they could succeed in an offense like this. You know, it's, I I hate to just go all Purdy, uh, you know, just like all like Purdy's the man. He is because of what we're seeing. But, you know, with this whole package of a team, like, you know, as a professional quarterback, this is, what this is what you want and you're getting it um you know so it's still not enough evidence to be like Purdy is the future but you know he's shown us everything that you want from a guy just you know forget a rookie just any player that you could just put in there and get two touchdowns a game you would want right even Garoppolo was struggling in certain certain these uh some of these situations that Purdy is not struggling in so um, that is obviously some positive signs towards the future of Brock Purdy. So, yeah, I like him. I like him a lot. I, I like quarterbacks. that like to throw the ball, but they can still escape when needed. And that's just where it's going. Like the NFL is just going directly to that. Passing quarterbacks, It's it's over. Like it's over.
0: Yeah. And he's the perfect example. Cause he, you're right. He is a pocket passer, but when he needed to, he was scrambling that touchdown show that you mentioned that was all because of him, right? He actually did. I, I rewatched the play. Like right before we recorded, he actually ran to the left and it was immediately take covered up. So then he scrambled to the right and then he sees CMC wide open for that touchdown. Right. I mean, those are really, really little things where, you know, you scramble to the left and it's not there, you can go down, you can throw the football away. But for him to try to extend the drive, extend the play and come back to the right for a guy who's not really known for his speed, he he looks good. And and I think this is the this is the thing that is gonna help him the most, right? I mean, it's an uphill battle for him. You have Jimmy G, you have Trey Lance, and I think, you know, when push comes to shove, he's gonna continue to get looked overlooked in my opinion like unless they go on a historic super bowl run and he's the reason etc i still think he's going to get overlooked by Trey Lance i think he's going to get overlooked even by Jimmy G but the great thing about this for Brock Purdy is he it's a situation that's beneficial and advantageous but he's still producing right like he's still doing what he needs to do getting the job done getting the ball out quick having his reads ready pre snap and again making plays and extending them when where necessary so if anything this gives this guy this 7th round pick a lot of confidence that hey, if I get shipped, if you know this is a, a way for to boost my stock, and they ship me, and another team's like hey, we want to give you a shot. He's got the confidence that he's been able to do this. He's been able to do this now in a playoff game. He's been able to do this like in three, four, five straight games now, and it's not just getting by. I mean, the dude's thrown two touchdowns in every single game at least. So again. This just gives him that confidence if the future is Brock Purdy somewhere else, if he's going to be the guy here. uh, It's just a long way to go for a guy who, you know, just imagine your trail where you're the last pick of the draft, especially as a quarterback in this league. Not only are you not starting, you're not even the backup. So for him to come full circle in one season to go from third string to starter, playoff game winner. I mean, again, there's a reason his nickname is so perfect for him. The dude is literally Big Cock Brock. Yeah, literally. I don't know, but.
2: <laughs> no, I'm Figured, right. yeah that's true no yeah he's he's awesome i you know can't, I, got nothing good nothing bad to say about party nothing bad at all all right next game up man this was you know just another just another slap in the vikings face do something really amazing and then there's another team that does something better in the playoffs very similar now everybody forgets about the vikings game right so the chargers just did casual, usual, probable, most likely Chargers thing that they could ever do, and that's lose a game in the worst possible way. Chargers were winning this game by a lot. What was it, a twenty-seven point lead? Um, and twenty-seven the, nothing. Twenty-seven right. nothing, and the Jaguars came back and won thirty-one to thirty. Um, third largest comeback in postseason history. I mean, you know, th- this was this game we had. Sweetheart, remember when you were like twenty-four? Is when I where I draw the line. And after that, it was larger than 24. And we were like, all right, no one's going to say anything. It's going to be a quiet chat for the rest of the day. Probably going to go make some you know, meals for tomorrow, get ready, put it in the corners in case something happens. And just one thing after another, Chargers just screwed up, man. Chargers just screwed up. They just messed up so bad. The usual plays that they run, they didn't run. They started running the ball more with um, Eckler. I mean, like, it's just – The things that you were doing that led you to victories, they just stopped doing all of them. They just stopped. And you can kind of see the momentum shift at that point. And you're like, wait a second. The Chargers are just doing everything that they normally don't do. And then the Jaguars are getting all their best players uh, involved, right? Who scored the four touchdowns for the Jaguars this game? Ingram, Kirk, Jones, and Jones. Like their four best players, they were like, you know what? Let's get these guys involved and let's get – we have nothing to lose at this point. We need to get everybody involved. And that's the exact opposite of what the Chargers did. They're like, let's start doing things that they haven't seen before in case – like this, this is not the time to do that. This is not the time to do that. And they started doing a lot of that stuff where they're trying new plays and new, new, just a lot of new things. And none of it worked out. You know, first half, you know, they had us in the first half, right? Right, um, uh, long hair, sunshine. You know, he played really bad. 10 for 24, 77 yards, one touchdown, and four picks. Four picks. When was the last time you saw somebody throw four picks in the first quarter and then be praised at the end of the game? Very, very rarely. Like, that just doesn't happen. And in the second half, 18 for 23, barely any incompletions, 211 yards, three touchdowns, and no picks, 144.5 passer rating. He just kind of turned it up, and that's kind of what we expected all season long. All season long from Lawrence, and we never really got that. You know, I am here and I am here to play. We saw like little hints of it here and there, but that second half was insane. Just made all the good, all the best decisions possible, didn't turn the ball over, and, you know, won the game. So there's two ways to look at this. Is he really the hero of this game? Like, is he? Because you can't put your team up, you know, down 27 points. And expect this to happen every time. It won't happen every time. So it's technically still your fault that you couldn't score any points in the first half, given all this opportunity and Chargers run defense being so bad. Like they couldn't capitalize on play actions. A lot of negative things were said, and a lot of memes were already pre-made. And all of a sudden, the narrative changed in the second half. And so there's different ways to look at this. Like, are we still going to praise? And you know what? As as sad and Debbie Downer as this sounds, I'm looking at this from a negative perspective. I don't like that. Like you're not setting up your team up for success when you're down 27 points. I don't care how well you come back. That is not a formula to win in the playoffs. You can't. You can't let that happen. Just got really lucky in the sense that things all just played out. And there are four superstars. Well, five superstars. Well, three stars and two, three superstars and two regular stars. How about we say that? And all of them showed up and everything just worked out perfectly. Um, You know, Chargers just doing casual Chargers things and. They just got really lucky. So at the end of it all, what I really want to say is that Jaguars have a huge task ahead of us. I don't want to get too ahead in our uh, preview matchup or whatever, but man, they have the worst possible matchup in the NFL right now. And coming from this struggle bus of a game, I'm not sure I've seen enough to be like, oh, Jaguars are so good. They're going to get their ass kicked even from what I've seen so far this postseason. So you know what? Uh, uh, Cinderella stories always happen, and maybe this is one of them, but At the end of the day, they played some pretty bad teams to get here, and they still didn't have that good of a record to even make it to the playoffs. So nothing's really convincing yet except for that second half, and the second half could have never happened if um, the first half wasn't so bad, right? So I'm not believing in the Jaguars right now. They're still in the lower half of the poverty franchise part of the NFL, Um, they're just lucky they got to play the most poverty franchise of all time in the Chargers. So, you know, not impressed. At the end of it all, I'm not impressed. Congratulations to Trevor Lawrence for showing some signs of what we wanted to see. So it's possible. And it came in the most biggest part of his life, biggest play, biggest half of his life. Um, It was nice to see that. But am I going to see more of that? I am more on the skeptical side.
1: Yeah, I mean this was this was a wild game. At some point I was like I I can't watch this anymore. I this is it, you know. I I called GG's and I was done with it. And and boy, boy was I wrong. But, you know, this this offense really needs to find a way to put up points even when they're up 27, uh, you know, 27 to 0. And the fact that Joe Lombardi got the um, you know, was fired, I think that it, someone had to take the blame, right? It's not going to be Justin Herbert. It could have been Brandon Staley, but I guess they're still kind of confident on that. But the offensive coordinator to put up zero points in the second half—I mean, that's an easy, easy target. So it makes sense that he is now getting the boot.
0: Yeah, and and yeah, you're right, and and that's what I was going to talk about. Is obviously, you know, the Chargers came back and won this football game. This started the game atrocious, but flip side of the coin. um, Chargers sounded, or Jaguars. Did I say Chargers? Not yeah. I meant Jaguars. So the Chargers, flip side of the coin, the Chargers started this game as good as you possibly could, right? I mean, finally, the Chargers are going to show up in the playoffs. Finally, the Chargers are going to get that playoff win, get some momentum for Justin Herbert, and have him get into the later stages of the playoffs and see what he can do. And then, all of a sudden, their offense just disappears. Now, granted, there was a drive where they missed a field goal. So that's not entirely on like the offense. The kicker missed the, the field goal. So, uh, you know, take with that what you will. But, um, you know, to go three and out twice and four possessions in the second half, the Jaguars did a good job of su- sustaining drives, right? I mean, their first touchdown drive in the second half was 14 plays, 89 yards and took over seven minutes off the clock. So uh, when you're getting the ball for that amount of time and utilizing all the clock and scoring, all of a sudden what that does is that shrinks the amount of possessions that both teams are going to get. So that means that the possessions you get need to matter. And again, as Vikings fans, Shashot, you and I fucking preach this as much as possible. Like when you're up, put your foot on the fucking gas, right? Like no NFL games are over. I think this year, this game, the Vikings game against the Colts, like how many more crazier comebacks, a 13 second comeback? Like how many crazier comebacks are we going to need to keep seeing in the NFL to be like, hey, I'm up 41, nothing at halftime. It does not fucking matter. I need to treat this game like it's zero, zero. And why does it sound so easy to say? But for some reason, for the players on the field, it's absolutely impossible to actually like execute that. I don't know if like, mentally or internally you're something some your mind just switches and you're like oh i can you know take this playoff like or, or just not run as hard this time or i yeah. don't know like i'm up 41 nothing you know i don't have to go 110 here on this drive but all of those little thoughts like if every player has that that's fucking 53 people on the team having the same thoughts and that's when comebacks happen so like i'm again it's insane that they came back that's incredible but i also look at the team that was came back on if that's the right lingo or language to use like that's pathetic how are you letting that happen i no. just it, it's like equally frustrating on both sides yeah a, a couple of things um justin
2: herbert right like we love him for whatever reason i don't i honestly don't after this game i was like why do i like this guy like he's didn't throw 52 touchdowns in the regular season he barely threw one or two a game right granted his receivers are missing but um it's we've had enough time throughout the season to adjust to that and they didn't right so it's like there's a lot of that play calling issue maybe that's why the offensive coordinator was fired but he's made it the postseason twice and he's gotten out in the first round both times so is it the curse of the chargers like we're not seeing what i want to see because like it's like it's like you're in a relationship and you want to take that next step and you're just like there's something telling you to don't do it that's what it feels like with justin herbert that's this is this is the relationship with justin herbert it's like why would I? why would I take the next step with you, Justin Herbert? You haven't really shown me what other quarterbacks around have. So um, there's just this weird feeling now. You know, if you would have won this game, somehow pulled this game off, that feeling would even dare exist in my mind. But now it's there, right? Because like we say, the, the quarterback is going to take a lot of the blame, especially when you put
0: no points up in the second quarter. And and they're entering like and it, it's too soon for this. It's absolutely too soon for this. Justin Herbert's more talented than this comparison I'm about to utilize. But you know, the, the teams that enter this like an ano- ano- excuse me anomaly, anomaly stratosphere you know where, where where you're just perplexed at why like the execution or like what, why it doesn't look as fluid and look as appealing as it should, given who's there. And right now that's kind of been Justin Herbert to me. And I just bring this back to like the whole Derek Carr and the Raiders for like the last three, four years. And I'm like, why does it not look how it's supposed to like, why, why does it at times look exceptional? But then at times you're like, God, like what the hell is this? And I can't, you know, and, And I'm going to give Herbert a little bit more slack because they fired their offensive coordinator immediately and they're like, okay, let's get somebody else in here because the last two seasons, Herbert's been under the same guy. And for a guy that's got an insanely accurate and insanely strong arm, like Herbert actually leads or is top five in the NFL in checkdowns, right? Now you also have Eckler. So like, why would you not use like that guy who's incredible? But at the same time, this guy's got an insane arm talent, like one of the best we've ever seen, but it doesn't seem like he's like getting to utilize that or that's been completely unlocked. So let's see if despite having that, is he still going to be the Herbert, you know, that, refuses to maybe get the ball downfield because I don't know. He just doesn't want to, he prefers to check it down. I can't pin that on him yet. Cause he's not been in the league long enough and he's changing his offensive coordinator now while he's still young and still hasn't hit his prime. But that's been my kind of weirdness with him is yes, you have Eckler. Yes. You know, they use a lot of plays to run screens and stuff for their tight end, et cetera. But you have a guy that's got an arm you know, on par with Josh Allen and on par with better maybe even than like the Allens, the Mahomes. Like he's there. He's got a better arm than Joe Burrow. And yet he's not making enough deep passes. He's not getting the ball downfield enough. I just feel like, that part of the game has not been unlocked. Whether that's Staley, whether that's Lombardi, and now he's gone, that's kind of what I'm looking for for the Chargers. I know we'll talk more about the offseason and stuff, but for them heading into next year, man, like, let this guy cook. This is like, less Russ, let Russ cook, but let Herbert cook. Like, if he really can't cook, let us be the deciding factor. Let us see that uh, with our own eyes on the field, in, on the tape. But until then, that's kind of what I'm looking out for. Yeah. Jaguars, like you said, showed. I mean, it's going to be an uphill battle for them. Great comeback, but... I mean, you know, I think at this point, just even if they lose next week, this is already chalked up for the Jaguars as a successful season. So they're kind of playing with house money at this point.
1: Yeah, I think. And one last point on the Chargers. I think you're absolutely right. But the fact that they lose Mike Williams and they're not able to utilize Joshua Palmer and those deep bombs, like if you if you look at Josh Allen's throws and see where he's connecting, right, he's throwing these deep bombs to to digs and All of Herbert's throws were, like, 10 to 20 yards. Like, that's it. Like, all the little dots that you see on there. So they're just not figuring out how to utilize the uh, weapons that they already have. Um, So hopefully this new offensive coordinator can, uh, you know, use him for for the talent that we see him as.
2: Absolutely. Imagine having a guy like Herbert and running an offense, like, freaking...
0: Yeah, what is this some West Coast shit, dude? Like, get this West Coast shit out of here. Like, this needs to be a run-and-gun, like, just... Literally, like, if nothing is working, Herbert needs to just drop back and play, like, backyard football. Because th- w- that—if uh, you guys remember the the game against the Raiders, right, To for whoever to make the playoffs last year, I think, and the Raiders ended up winning. Yeah. Like, so many of those possessions down the stretch, I felt like it looked like they weren't even calling plays. And they were just like, Herbert, drop back and find somebody. And he was. Like, he was so good. Fort down, you know, like, just— stoic and as poised as can be first down four down and 13 with the game on the line stoic is going to be poised bomb like dot and so like that's what I want to see like stop running this bullshit offense with a quarterback like it's like we're sitting in positions where you know there's like 20 teams salvating at the opportunity to get a quarterback like this but he's being used like a you know like a quarterback with no offense shove it but like Kenny Pickett's arm strength you know like that. that's what I'm seeing and I'm just like
1: dude like unleash him fair enough I'll take it all right next up we have the dolphins uh traveling to buffalo to face the bills the final score of this game was 31 to 34 miami covered the spread of uh of 13 and a half points buffalo was favored over was 43 and a half um that hits with a total of 65 points and uh you know, I, I thought that this game, um, the Bills got away with one. The Bills definitely got away with one. Uh, Josh Allen had his share of quarterback issues. He went 23 of 39, 352 yards, three touchdowns, but a pair of interceptions and a pair of fumble. From all of those turnovers, 18. Po- the, the Miami Dolphins scored 18 points. Um, you know, and, and the Buffalo Bills, they found ways to get into the end zone. However, you know, Dawson Knox gets that touchdown f- for the fifth straight. You called pitch. it. You yeah. called it. <laughs> yeah, so Josh Allen had the uh, anytime touchdown, but there's some people out there that had him first touchdown scorer and, and they banked and, and made some money this week on, on that. James Cook got to get to the rushing touchdown, put him up 14-0. Um and uh Cole uh Cole Beasley also got into a touchdown to put him up uh to give them uh, points whenever they were down as well, but I thought the uh, the Miami Dolphins defense played really well. Skylar Thompson didn't do so well. He had eighteen. He went eighteen for forty-five. One touchdown, two interceptions. They definitely missed Tua out there. Um, but and Jeff Wilson also got a, got a touchdown touchdown for the Dolphins. But in the end of the day, this game came down to a delay of game call with two minutes and twenty seconds remaining. The ball at the forty-nine. It's fourth and one. They just need to convert that first down. Maybe get a QB sneak, and you know they 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 don't have any timeouts. The clock runs out. Uh, it's a delayed game. They go back five yards, fourth and six, and they are, they aren't able to convert to get that first down. So the Bills get the ball back, and they you know convert a, a pair of first downs to a- end the game. So you know in in a game where Skylar Thompson didn't play so well, the defense stepped up a little bit. They had a chance to at least get into a field goal range to be able to tie the game tie the game 34 to 34 they're not able to do that bills just put up enough points um able to score with the weapons that that they have uh and end up winning this game 34 to 31 but like i said josh allen you know he got away with one this game for sure yeah
2: that's not the first time you've heard josh allen getting away with one he's getting away with a lot of things this year and they're they're keeping games really close i Something's got to change. Something's got to change. But then, you know what? What's the opposite of that is opposite of that is the Herbert checkdowns, right? So you you have the two spectrums. Like right. you have talented quarterbacks, do you want to just keep unleashing and get four turnovers and maybe lose the game, but win the game at the end, or do you want to just play it safe, play it safe and not score any points in the second half at all? So you know what I mean. Like, you got to that. That's where the balance is. You got to find the balance.
0: Yeah, I I read on PFF that. Uh, Josh Allen had like seven or eight what they call big time throws this game, which is the most in any game this year, which surpasses his own record of like six in the regular season. But he also led the game in turnover worthy plays. Right. So like you said, it's the feast or famine. Um, But, you know, it's. It's like a, he reminds me of basically how this feast or famine nature was with Matthew Stafford. Obviously to me, Josh Allen's way better and he does more, but it's, it's like, it's like the guy that has an insane arm. That's like, you know what? I'm going to let my arm, you know, either, either win us the game or potentially lose us the Brett game. Favre.
2: This is like a yeah. new
0: age of Brett it, Favre. It's, it's, it's literally like Brett Favre. But again, you're, you're seeing more interceptions in the rest of the league, but it's a different NFL. Like the team, the player that leads the league in interceptions is like 14 or 15. Like remember when that used to be like 30, remember that used to consistently be in the twenties. Like it's just a different NFL nowadays. So I think when you're a player of Allen's caliber, like there is a downside to that, right? Like in a crucial situation, he could throw a costly interception, but he himself is so full of self-confidence that he knows that if he gets the possession back, he just as quickly can throw a 75-yard touchdown pass to Stephon Diggs or Gabriel Davis, right? So I think... He's making the decision. He's the quarterback. He decides whether he wants to throw that football or not. If he can make up for his mistakes by still winning football games with his arm, which again, he still threw for 353 and what, three scores? So, uh, you know, the two interceptions he threw, he made up for it by, you know, getting those touchdowns and and creating plays with the big time plays and big time throws. But um, you're right. If you're playing against a team like, you know, Burrow or, or Mahomes, and, and say, those guys aren't making those mistakes and you get into a shootout. All it takes is one mistake and you're, yeah. you know, possibly two scores back. So, uh, you know, again, he does have to be better. I think part, part of that was kind of weird to me is he threw the ball 39 times, but he only rushed four times. And and I think a lot of what he can create with his arm is, you know, kind of a compliment to him utilizing his legs and making his legs just as scary enough. But I didn't think he did that enough this game. And on the other side, I mean, credit to the Dolphins for hanging in there, but a lot of how they scored was the, the result of Josh Allen giving them a short field or a turnover giving them a short field because the Dolphins the or the Bills' defense did really well. I mean, they only held them to 231 yards of total offense, right? So their 31 points are a result of the turnovers that their own offense created. So 31 points given up by your defense looks bad, but they only allowed 231 yards of total offense. So this is kind of a you know, the epitome of like your offense cost your defense in this game, but you know, they get lucky. Like you said, they got away with one. Uh, you're not going to get away with any of these. If you're playing the Bengals or the chiefs. Ah, we're here, man. We're here. The dreaded matchup, the Minnesota Vikings were hosting the New York giants this week. Vikings at home favored by three, the New York giants cover the spread, win the football game outright 31, 24 final over 48 caches. Um, uh, you know, I, uh, the way I can quickly sum up this game is I'm just not surprised by anything Lovely. at all that transpired.
2: Lovely. That's literally how we play. Everything
0: that happened is exactly how it always happens. <laughs> it's, it's literally like the Minnesota Vikings script. You can, you know, yeah. if you if they, yeah. you know, opened up a fortune cookie this week for next week, it would look this exact same way. Basically, the Vikings have the football first. They have an awesome game plan. They script the shit out of their initial drive and it's beautiful. Seven plus strip minutes, right? 10 plays. Uh, touchdown pass to, or it was a touchdown pass to Justin Jefferson, but he got stopped at the inch yard line after review. Kirk sneaks it in. They go up seven nothing. Holy shit. Here we are, boys. We came to play in the playoffs. First drive, look unstoppable. Well, The Giants come out onto the field. They do the same thing, but they do it a little bit easier half the time. And, you know, a lot more gut players are open. You know, their quarterback's not getting destroyed after every throw. In fact, their quarterback doesn't have a defensive player within 15 yards of him every time he scrambles. So it's literally like, hey, I'm playing in a, you know, a practice uh, scrimmage where I'm wearing a red jersey where you can't hit me because that's how far... Our defense was from their receivers. That's how far our defense was from the quarterback. That's how far our defense was from everybody that was touching the football. They hand the ball off to Saquon. Our defense runs the other way. So it was just a matter of the situation where our defense, we knew, was atrocious. Our defense, we kept saying, Ben, don't break. Ben, don't break. Every once in a while, they'd get an advantageous turnover during the regular season and you know come back in the fourth quarter because of our offense and win this football game. But our defense just could not stop anything. I mean... Daniel Jones running in the first half was, it was so automatic that it felt like I was playing Madden in 4 with Mike Vick. And it was just like, drop back, run, drop back, run. If Daniel Jones wanted to, I'm confident that he could have dropped back and ran on a over 75% of plays because there was just nobody there. And our defense refuses to get any pressure. So again, th- the game starts exactly how it does. Our offense is fantastic on the first drive, scripted play. They come back and score because our defense is ass. And then, we have our stupid fucking play call, which he takes so much of the blame for this loss. Kevin O'Connell, first year head coach, thirteen wins. You're a rookie. You're learning. Blah 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 blah. But in the playoffs, the fuck was that? What? Show when you were talking about how the Chargers were doing things that like they just didn't even do in the regular season and just pulled out of their ass. That was what this was. Why on third and one are you running an end around to Justin Jefferson and then throwing the football back to your slowest fuck quarterback for him to run and try to get one yard? I mean, like who in the hell designed a play that goes back to Kirk Cousins to have to run the football? It just makes absolutely no sense. You needed one yard. You moved the ball at will on that first drive. Third and one, you get cute. You get stopped three and out. And honestly, honestly, that's where the game is lost. Because after that, the defense can't stop anything. The offense is playing catch-up the rest of the game. And, oh, my God, it's just insanely frustrating, man. uh, Ed Donatel needs to get fired. Like, I'm surprised he's not fired yet. Um, He should have been gone. Um, There's just going to be a ton of question marks to what in the hell – type of adjustments did this defense try to make or unsuccessfully make did you guys we i I kept sending that headline after you sent it to show because i saw it on twitter too and it just made me fucking laugh out loud at donatel being like you're gonna see something different from us this week or or, our defense has really come to play this week and i'm just like dude like he, he he must suffer from dementia or like he's got some health issues because He did exactly what he did for 18 weeks and we as realistic Vikings fans expected the same result that, you know, we always expect and that's exactly what happened. The Vikings defense could not stop anybody when push came to shove. They couldn't stop anybody and the offense looked fantastic. Kirk Cousins, my God, one of the best games I've ever seen him play. The dude just getting destroyed on every single throw, putting these throws on the money and you know, all of it. To say that the final play of the football game, it's a fourth and eight. we It's a fourth and eight. Game's on the line. It's basically the last possession where we're going to have the football. And on fourth and eight, one, why is there a play call where there's a design where one guy's even not past the line, like past the first down? That doesn't make sense to me at all. Uh, two, why are you throwing to that guy? Why, why are you throwing him the football? Now, again, I've sat there and rewatched this play as I'm sure – you guys have had, I'm sure, like, millions of people have had. Kurt Kirk- Warner has broke down the play. Like, it's been the talk of the town, right? And it doesn't even matter who's back there. I, I Like... When the game is on the line, when it's fourth down, like when you have nothing to lose, it's literally your season. Like you just got to throw the ball past the first down. Like there's just no ifs ands or buts to it. If the guy's wide open and you're dunk, you know, dumping it off to him, and there's nobody within ten yards, and you see that, that's totally fine. But you just have to throw it further than that. But I'm not gonna blame Kirk. He had a, he probably had the best game of anybody on our entire team, basically. And again, KOC man, you. Scripted drive, four times they threw the ball to Justin Jefferson. I'm like, holy shit, he's going to have like 20 catches this game. He had nine targets the total game. So for four catches on the first drive, the dude ends up with, what, seven catches? So three catches for the rest of the 55 minutes. So I don't know what the hell that's about. Again, a lot of question marks. Offseason is going to be insane. This team is going to flip upside down. Credit to the Giants. Again, they exploited our weaknesses. We couldn't stop anybody, and the Giants did just enough. Daniel Jones ran the football at will. He earned himself a contract, in my opinion. So, um, you know, best of luck to them. But the Vikings are going to be the same old Vikings. I'm not giving any credit to the Giants. I'm not going to. I'm not going
2: to. There's no credit to the Giants. They're just the Giants. They're going to get killed by whoever plays them next. And – it's all, there's no credit to the Giants. This is just pure blame on the Vikings. Were you Like, we're literally on this podcast for 18 weeks telling you exactly what's going to happen every single week. And that's exactly what happened again. There's nothing that changes on this defense, and it's really not setting up this offense for any form of success. You're having to come from behind every fucking game where you break the record for most come from behind. Does that not change? Does that not put a spark in your brain? Like, maybe we shouldn't come from behind every game. Maybe we should change the defense. Look at the Ravens. Okay, look at the Ravens. I talked so much shit about the Ravens for the first month of this season because their defense was so bad. Look at last game. Look at that playoff game that I'm going to talk to you about next. (laughs) Played so well. Out of nowhere. Changed everything. Literally changed everything. Like, and we refuse to do that after seeing headlines. Oh, I'm going to do something I've never done before. Like, who do you think you are? And you know what? I don't even blame Ed Donatow. I really don't because I blame KOC. I blame KOC for a lot of this shit. Like, you know, I thought maybe this nice guy approach was the was the move. Look at all these nice guys right now, okay? Look at all these nice guys right now. They're all struggling. They're all getting fingers pointed at them. Who's standing strong? Fucking the, the patriarchy-ish... Coaches that nobody's gonna talk shit to Bill Belichick, no matter how much he loses, because there's respect there, right? You can't just that's another thing. Like, I don't want a friend coach, I'm tired of it. Like, I, I like it from a perspective, like, oh my god, yeah, it's progressive. No, this is football. People hit people, no one's over there like shaking hands. Like, give me a fear factor that you can also trust, like a father figure. I don't need a friend as my coach, I need a father as my coach, and he's not blatantly, he's not doing that, right. If you're this guy, if you're our head coach, you're going to go to the defensive coordinator and be like, hey, change it all up. You know what he says after every loss? He's like, yeah, he comes up to me and he says that there's some changes going to be made, and I have seen those changes. What changes? What changes? I can show you 30 plays every game where it looks exactly the same. Like, my new changes aren't cutting it, so maybe you should just dump the whole defense. And, like, that's a shit. It's like we are aware of it. We have this high powered offense where you know, Justin Jefferson can't be stopped. Dalvin Cook, one play break. Maybe you should emphasize that a little bit more. Maybe Hawkinson should be emphasized a little bit more. Hawkinson played lights out because he had to, right? There was nowhere else to go. It was, but that's not like, it's just like, we're not doing what we're supposed to do. We're just doing what we've been doing that have given us losses. Like do the things that you've been doing when you're winning the games. Stop doing the things you're doing when you're losing the games. And like, it makes no sense. And, you know, like that last play, I don't even know what to say. Like, I don't even, I really don't. Like, if it was me, I would have thrown it past the line of scrimmage. But I also know my quarterback, and it's like, he's like a, he's a, he, you know, what, what's that called? I always call Tom Brady a um, system quarterback, right? Maybe Kirk Cousins is the best system quarterback of all time because that guy will never stand up to his coach and he'll never be like, no, coach, I don't want to do that. Like, I'll just do whatever you tell me to do because that's how it's done. And, What did he do? Red left, red middle, red right, and then found the open guy, threw it to him. Like, there wasn't really a thought process about, let me just get it past the line of scrimmage and heave it up and see what happens. But, you know, that's it, works all game. So it's really hard to pinpoint that one play for the loss because he's like, there's a big ass defensive lineman who, by the way, had the best defensive uh, game of his career just going through our offensive line. So, there's a lot of things in play here. It's hard to point fingers at the, this and that, but where I can openly, openly point fingers is the coaching staff. Like you had one job and that's a change to change the freaking thing that has been the root of all causes of the losses and you didn't do it, right? If you didn't do it. So how are you gonna, like, what did you think was gonna happen? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, all I have to say, you guys are, you know, disappointed in the Vikings, but you kind of saw this coming. I I still think that this is a win for the Vikings season. Like, you know, you took the personnel that you had, the coaches, Kwesi comes in and you get Kevin O'Connell and he's like, okay, this is what we're working with. This is what we're going to produce. And to get the record that you have and to do that, I see it as a win. Now you go into offseason and hopefully they make you, those changes. Hopefully
2: like- you change. Why didn't we hopefully change those things earlier? Why, why is this a win? You had all the opportunity to change those things. It's not like a player got hurt. It's not like Kirk Cousins was throwing five interceptions a game. It's not like Justin Jefferson was dropping passes that like, when it counted. None of that happened. It was moves that weren't made. So how can I expect those moves to be made next year? Why didn't those moves get made this year, right? So it's like hard to call it a win of a season when everything was set out. Everything's perfect. But it's the decision-making that was terrible. So how am I supposed to expect the decision-making that you could have done right now to be done next year? That's the worst part is like we can't change the team, really. We have to change the way we scheme these situations. And is it going to happen? Who knows?
1: Yeah, uh, for for me, it's like the whole Hawkinson deal, right? The fact that Kwayzie was able to make that deal to make, get Hawkinson come in—that's a good sign. Like next, this offseason has got to be a big season, big off season for you guys to like target those defensive players, make those defensive, uh, you know, draft picks that would allow you guys to be in that, uh, you know, conversation of a a good defensive team that you're not seeing right now. So for me, the off because the offense was good enough and the defense needs to be better, it's still you know there's that silver lining there.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a micro and a macro way to look at this, obviously, right? I mean, let, let, let's let's kind of focus on the big picture. You had a first-year head coach who'd never been a head coach in the NFL, and his team won 13 games. Like, take out all of the nuances, and that's pretty fucking successful, right? Everybody who's not a Vikings fan would probably be like, damn, that's a great first year for that rookie head coach. 13 wins, and you made it to the playoffs as a three-seed. You won the division after you know not winning it for five years, et cetera, but... If we, if we break it down into why we lost and the ultimate result and outcome of this, right? We had the opportunity to go into a complete rebuild this year. We chose not to. We wanted to com- competitively rebuild is what they said. Competitively rebuild. And we did that. We com- we competed. We had some great highs. We beat Buffalo. We had some great lows. We got destroyed by the Cowboys. And we still made the playoffs as a three seed. But, and we, and we traded for Hawkinson, but we lost capital there. So here's where it gets interesting where, Do you really consider this season a win where, uh, you know, the end result is one and done in the playoffs. You lost to a team you should have won. You hosted a home playoff game, which is all you could ask for. And you lost, you lost in your home building, right? That's a loss. That's an L. Your defensive coordinator is going to have to go. But with him, you have like almost seven to eight players that started for your defense that are like, 35 years old or older, and on an expiring contract. So all of that's going to go, which means you are going to have to rebuild the defense from scratch. Now, here's the caveat. You got Hawkinson because you wanted to be in this competitive rebuild, and he showed out. He's going to have a great, bright future. But with all the trades and everything, Minnesota has – what, the 24th pick in the first round, and then they don't have a pick, I think they pick in the third round, they don't have a second round pick this year, they only have four or five draft picks in this entire draft. And their cap space situation is a nightmare. So there's going to have to be a lot of shuffling for this rebuild to now not only... Even take place this offseason, but next offseason, because you're going to try to rebuild, but you still have Kirk Cousins, who's more than capable of winning, and he's only got one year left on his contract. So, why would it make sense for your final year with your quarterback to try to rebuild, but you don't have enough money or enough capital to try to build in anything in that defense, whether it's old people, whether it's rookies? Like, you just don't have enough capital. So, you're going to have so many unknowns. So, ultimately, In the grand scheme of things from that angle it's not a win because you're actually set back further the end of this year than you were the end of last year and you tried to make that season a success but 30 years from now I'm sorry. I'm not going to remember this 13 and four season where we got bounced in the first round and be like, "That was a successful year, man." Remember when we beat the Bills because you know Josh Allen fumbled it at his own one yard line? No, that's great. In season, it was an enjoyable, fun, entertaining season. But it is to me, it is not a successful season. And to me, this off season is tremendously and exponentially harder than it would have been had they really shuffled shit up last off season. Yeah,
2: I, I have a quick formula that may ease things a little bit. I think. All those defensive players that you know, Harrison Smith, Eric Kendricks—they're all well over thirty now. Like they're over the hump, right? I don't have any problems getting rid of them. I—I I, I had huge problems last year, right? Because I wasn't ready for the rebuild. I—I I wasn't ready for the. I, I was here for the competitive rebuild. Now everybody goes. What's the what can what's worse than thirty-first overall? What defensively? Like what's nothing worse, 30 right? Thirty-second. Thirty-second, right? <laughs> Do I think we're going to be 32nd? I'll take my chances. I'll take my chances and we're going to be like 27th. And you know what? We've been 27th defensively in the past and look like a much better football team and not needed all these miracles throughout the year to win. And that, that's what happened in the, the, in the with Case Keenum. Right after Case Keenum, our, our defense just shattered completely. We've never been the same. We haven't had a solid – Vikings were known to have like some of the best defenses in NFL history, right? If not the best defense in NFL history. But – all that for what for the last couple of years? Nothing. Defense has been trashed. So you know what? Get rid of these guys. Maybe these guys are the problems. Maybe there's certain things and we have nothing to lose at this point. Uh, you know what? Honestly, trade Kirk Cousins to a to the so whoever wants him. I don't know who wants this contract at this point. Probably nobody. So maybe we're going to have to deal with this contract. And it's fine. He's putting up points. That's not the problem. But if we're talking – if we're here for a rebuild and we, we want to do this shit properly, just start over from scratch – I'm all for it. I'm all for it. It's time. It's time because this defense doesn't look. We've seen what happens. Our defense can play the best freaking offense, or I'm sorry, our offense can play the best fucking football anyone has ever seen. We're going to lose 48 to 51, right? That's how this defense is built. This, something's got to change drastically and it has to start from the play calling on the defensive side.
0: Yeah. The last thing we got to move on is I'll say the trade Kirk cousins is awesome if he agrees to be traded, right? Because he has the no trade clause, he's got to agree where he goes and waive that no trade clause. So again, he is still in the driver's seat. So he gets to wait all offseason, see what the Vikings roster decides to look like and be like, fuck this, I'm out. Or hey, I got another shot here. So um he's still kind of holding the cards there, but we'll see. It's gonna be an interesting offseason. And the good thing is we're here to cover it all.
2: All right. After that, we're gonna talk about the Ravens at the Bengals. Um just a lot of disappointment in this game. I was rooting for the Ravens so hard because after that Vikings loss, I just wanted all good teams to lose. That <laughs> That's where my heart was, okay? It just it, Nothing I could do. I pre- We
0: appreciate the honesty here on the pod. Yeah, they, I did. I was like, just all things
2: Bengals just fall <laughs> apart now. Uh, anyways, and it was looking that way. You know, Lamar not playing there was a huge factor because you could clearly see Huntley making some plays. Huntley actually had similar – Quarterback rating as Joe Burrow this game. He played pretty well in the grand scheme of things. That run at the end um, down the left sideline was impressive as hell. Um, just couldn't execute it, couldn't finish it off. And, you know, like, Bengals just have that good vibe energy and things are just going to go in their way. It's just, this is bigger than football. Everybody says bigger than football, bigger than football. Like, there's a whole weird energy. Like, hard to explore. It's a culture there, dude. It's a culture. It, it, it is now. It is now with Burrow at the helm. It is now. It's just like, you just believe. If enough people believe, things will happen. Like, <laughs> Yeah,
0: maybe Some fucking Ted Lasso shit happening there. Man. Maybe,
2: yeah, maybe. And then, um you know, just if, there's not much to talk about in this game. The Ravens actually had total control of this football game from a rushing standpoint. They had 155 rushing yards to only 51 uh by the Bengals. The, the Bengals are really struggling to put up points there. They were having a lot of. Uh, the Bengals are driving the ball, but they couldn't finish. It was very unlikely of the Bengals. Because uh, they never made it to the red zone. Once they made it to the red zone, however, they com- they uh, finished both of their red zone uh, attempts. Why? Well, how do they score 24 points with only two times being in the red zone? Defensive touchdowns. Long plays with uh, Chase. So they did their basic um, Bengals things. I just wish the Ravens could do a little bit more than they're just running the ball, okay? that like The glaring issues all season long for all these teams we're discussing all just played out perfectly, right? How long were you going to survive without Lamar? well, that game. How long were you going to survive without throwing the ball to other people besides Andrews? Well, this game, right? So at the end of it all, I think one thing we can all just kind of like look back and reflect on is that all these issues we bring about all these teams, like it needs to get fixed. It needs to get fixed. And the teams that don't fix these problems, the conversations we're having about these teams that don't change these things that we're obviously seeing are the ones that end up struggling, right? So if anything, people need to listen to this podcast because we've thrown out so many so many ways uh these teams could improve and right now we just went through five teams and they all lost because of the same shit they do all the time. So, you know, it's it is what it is, but unfortunately the Ravens at the 1-yard line or the 2-yard line I guess went for that dive for some reason a huge long over the it just nothing makes sense anymore. You have these you're winning 155 rushing yards of 51. You have so many more plays left like I don't know. I don't know. Bad play calling, just really good uh, opportunistic football coming to his hands and running down the field.
0: Andrews almost had him by the ankles. Didn't work. Like, oh, that was some fucking awesome yeah. – Like kudos to Andrews for yeah. being the only one that was he actually committed. sprinting back.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the only one to actually care. I thought it was Rashard at first. I'm like, damn, that fullback's fast. <laughs> yes. But then, but it no, it fast. was Andrews. Um, and some of the other main reasons here, uh, Ravens were 3 for 11 on third downs. Bengals' best team in the football in this in the football league, um, on third downs continue to be over fifty percent seven for thirteen. Um, you know it all. At the end of the day, it all came down to that sneak. If that sneak wasn't there, like Dobbins said after the game, you know if that sneak wasn't there, they chose to do something else. It would have been a whole different ball game, and I, I fully fully believe that it changed the momentum. Uh, everything just tipped over. Even the hail mary, they had a chance. The ball went to his hands, right? Like it tipped into his hands. And when things aren't meant for you, things aren't meant for you. Dropped it. Burrow goes home with another dub. You saw how shocked he was when the play was over, right? Um, Just utter relief, you know? Like a lot of these quarterbacks that think they won this game, you don't really see a sense of relief. You just see like a, yes, fuck yeah. You saw this huge sense of relief and you're like, damn, almost had you there, Burrow. Almost had you.
0: So, yeah. Yeah, I mean – you said it. They 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 were outplayed. I mean, they were outgained on total yards. They were outgained on the passing side, triple the rushing for the Ravens compared to the Bengals. Uh, they have the Bengals had more penalties than the Ravens. The Ravens ended up having that costly turnover, which was the two turnovers to one. But they also had four trips to the red zone and they only converted once, where the Bengals were only two for two. So, like oh. if you look at the numbers, the Ravens were the better team. They played the better football game, uh, you know, kind of outside the tackles or outside the hashes, but you know, in the intricacies and like the kind of the finite times, uh, the Bengals executed where they needed to. And yeah, like you said, the reason Burrow so relieved is he was not the reason they won this football game. Uh, In spite of his subpar play, they came away victorious. So uh, he does, you know, he needs to kudos the rest of his team because they carried him on this one.
1: Yeah. And uh, you know, Dobbins is pretty upset. He thinks that he probably should have ran in that last play instead of, you know, the sneak there. And if Lamar was there, they would have, probably one, but you know I was kind of thinking about this and and at this point man like Lamar probably just wants way too much and if you're the Ravens you probably you don't want to pay that guy for a Michael Vick on your team that could get injured again like well, how many championships how many Super Bowl did Michael Vick win right yeah he had all these stats he can run the ball but his he's not as accurate as like a Patrick Mahomes or even a Josh Allen can you really pay that guy this much and uh, Lamar's making his business decision and so are the the Ravens so it's it's just a terrible thing to see but yeah um,
2: if he didn't get hurt though if he didn't get hurt I don't think we'd be having this conversation I think Lamar would keep doing Lamar things and you know, we would see things happen out there. Um, but the fact that he got hurt changed everything because he was banking on himself. And now sometimes it doesn't play out like this, you know.
0: Right. Not not everybody can have a contract year like
1: Aaron Judge in baseball, right?
0: Right, right.
2: Mm. Yeah.
1: All right. Last game on board. We've got the Buccaneers traveling to – oh, sorry. The Cowboys traveling to Tampa Bay to face the Buccaneers. And man, I was so annoyed after every freaking Cowboys touchdown, <laughs> but because, because it's uh, country music that played. I mean, you know, country music is great, but it's just a, not, not my cup of tea. Uh, and and the you Cowboys country, country music after every touchdown? After yeah. every single Cowboys touchdown, it was playing. They were playing country music on the TV. Yeah, <laughs> like for the commercial break, like after the extra yeah. uh,
2: I wouldn't know if I watched this game, but I was in depresso land. I just, I didn't even <laughs> want to be on this podcast today, but I was like, I got to do my due diligence. <laughs> I was sad, man. That was a fucking terrifying, terrifying yeah. moment. But anyways.
1: Well, well, glad glad you're here, though. But, yeah, man, you, you, you didn't miss out. You missed out on um, – you didn't miss out much. You just – you know, just Cowboys doing Cowboys things as far as, you know, scoring touchdowns. They had five total touchdowns. All Dak Prescott, uh, all the results of Dak Prescott, he had four touchdowns, passing the ball, one touchdown, r- running the ball on, like, fourth and three, which was a, a rollout, which I thought they were going to call that on third down, um, but they decided to go for it on fourth down, get get the touchdown by rolling out with Dak. Uh, Dalton Schultz, man, he said, Hawkinson, hold my beer, and had seven catches for 97, 95 yards, two touchdowns, uh, which was pretty impressive. Dalton Schultz, in the last, like, three games last couple of games in the in um the playoffs and the end of uh fantasy playoffs has been really well. CD Lamb quietly gets one touchdown. Michael t- Michael Gallup got a little toe tapping touchdown after stepping out of bounds, which is impressive. Pollard complimented that with 15 carries, 77 yards and then um Zeke had 13 carries and just wasn't as good as Pollard was. Pollard uh it, it was it was surprising to me when they were telling when they were raving like talking really well about Pollard, which I hadn't heard in like daytime television, or like, you know, the announcers ever talking about Pollard being really good. We know that, but that was the first time for me um, just hearing that out. But, um, you know, it's funny because all the way I think see this is I see all of the Cowboys player on all pro mode and then Brent Maher on all Madden mode. And like the wind <laughs> is like super, it's super windy and he just can't get his controllers right because he missed four extra points, man. The guy was psyched. Like he just, he, he couldn't get in his head finally gets one extra point at the with the last touchdown. with the extra point close
0: yeah some you. of them yeah uh, yeah first, first couple he kind of he kind of pushed right and then there was one that i thought went in cuz it was like right on top of the upright but i guess they called it a miss and then yeah yeah
1: and was, then one of them was just like a spiral like it it didn't even look like a uh, <laughs> that that one you could tell he was in his head like yeah. that was bad <laughs> it, it was terrible and at at one point I think it's four down in the red zone, and uh, they decided to go for it and get a touchdown on that play, too. So because of Maher, you know, Dak Prescott gets another touchdown as well. Um, but that's enough of the Cowboys. They win whatever. Uh, the Buccaneers, Tom Brady looked like Patrick Mahomes at times, man. He was, like, rolling out, looked 20 years younger, uh, trying to throw it across his shoulder. It looked, looked decent. Like, we've never seen Tom Brady, and maybe he's just giving it all because it's his last game but it didn't help because that same drive, he looked like Patrick Mobs. He also threw an interception. Um, he was 35 for 66, 351 yards, two touchdowns and one interception. Just no answer, no, no way to compete against the Cowboys. The defense played really well as well. And, and the way I was thinking about Tom Brady is, like, it's kind of like watching, like, Vinny Testaverde in his, like, final years of the, the the season. Like, why is this guy still in the league? Like, at this point, like, who wants Tom Brady? Like, I don't want Tom Brady. Nobody probably wants Tom Brady. It's time for him to retire. He's done great. He was the GOAT. But I think you got to go now, Tom Brady. Uh, Yeah, Cow- Cowboys end up winning this game. I don't think I said uh, the final score here. The final score for this game was 31 to 14 Dallas covers the two and a half spread and the under hits, uh, which was at 45 and a half.
0: Yeah. I I don't, I hate talking about the Cowboys and giving them their due, but man, they balled out. They came to play. Their defense was flying. Dak Prescott probably played the best game of his career. Um, I, I, can't think of a time that Dak had a better performance. Uh, running the ball, passing the ball, uh, spreading the ball around again. Schultz, C.D. Gallup, all finding the end zone. T.Y. Hilton caught a ball. Uh, Noah Noah Brown caught caught a couple passes. So uh, he did a really good job of spreading the ball, getting everybody involved, using play action really well. Um, and yeah, I mean, Pollard just looked so much more explosive than Zeke. Every Zeke run looked like it was dead the minute he handed it off and every Pollard run looked similar, except because of Pollard's extra juice. He actually made something out of it. So, uh, credit to Tony Pollard. He's probably going to get paid this off season, but, uh, dude, I mean, you know, I got, I just got to give the credit where it's due. The Cowboys offense just absolutely balled out and you know, their defense really didn't have to play all that well just because, much like all the other teams that lost in the playoffs, the bucks looked the same as they've looked all year, especially on the offensive side. Like it it took, it's been 19 weeks and Tom Brady and Mike Evans chemistry is just not there. Like I just, again, I'm so dumbfounded as to what happened. How did he have that anomaly 207 yard touchdown in the fantasy championships for all the freaking idiots that started him. And then, you know, in the playoffs when it actually matters again, he's back to, you know, dudding it around. So, I don't know, man. Godwin, you could tell he was playing hurt. Every every ball he caught and he got tackled, like he was grimacing, but the dude played his ass off as he has all season. I think, what did he have? 10 catches for 85 yards. So again, just classic um, Godwin stuff. Julio even caught that nice touchdown. And, you know, there was a time where Julio looked like the best receiver on the field. And I'm like, for the, for the bucks. And I was like, that's when you know it's kind of a problem when like 38-year-old Julio Jones looks like the best player and looks like the only receiver that actually wants to try to win this game. So it was a shitty, shitty outing or performance or showing for the Buccaneers and Dak just played the game of his life. That is it for the rundown guys. Let's end the episode with giving out our awards and doing some brownie points. I'll kick things off. My award is my D is on the table.
1: Because
0: no, it's an obvious one, but note that it is not him. My D is on the table. Defense? The 49ers? No, my D is on the table. You guys just get your mind out of the gutter. It's my Dak is on the table because Dak Prescott gets this award. Again, I didn't want to speak too much about it till we got here, but this was, to me, a game that I've watched of Dak's, the best game I've ever seen him play. Like He was doing everything. All of his throws were on the money. I think what was most impressive for me is he was getting enough time to throw, so it allowed him to... Really, really use his eyes to move the defenders. Like that touchdown pass to Schultz, phenomenal. He like took two steps to the left, used his eyes to move the safety that way, and then found that seam to Schultz. Um, and again, scrambling, using his legs on that bootleg. Uh, amazing bootleg. He, he, he faked me out. He sold me out. I, I didn't even know that he kept the football. So again, he really made a statement after, you know, what? The end of the season having copious amounts of interceptions and playing some really really bad football uh, really kind of put his dick on the table there in this playoff performance and he gets my my D's on the table award all right Dak Prescott getting some
2: love from Sweetheart not something you see every day so no what world <laughs> are we in put that in people um, all right my award is you are human trash award
1: and not tell it's gotta be it's gotta be yes continue <laughs> That's oh it. that's awesome all right is that it yeah that's yeah, it we
0: we spent so much time trashing that fuck Wait, get <laughs> out of
1: here <laughs> oh man um right next to Matt canada all right yeah um my awards name is uh shady's back tell a friend slim it, yeah. Eminem, slim
0: slim shady um m&m is it Galvin cook's brother
1: it's not. that's a good one, but it's not. Um, I'll tell know. you who it is. It is Debo Samuel. Uh, he is back. You know, he's uh, he had his slew of injuries and his numbers weren't so good. Uh, only 20 yards in the Cardinals game, 43 yards in the Buccaneers game. But this game, six receptions, 133 yards. Uh, he had a long 74-yard touchdown and also uh, 32 yards um, rushing the ball in this game. So Debo Samuel, he's back. Uh, just in time for the 49ers to continue doing 49ers thing. Compliment that with CMC. Compliment that with Elijah Mitchell. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, who also played really well. This is a scary team, and and he's back.
0: Hey, your show. Guess what? Debo's back there. I told a friend. Are you happy? <laughs> nice. My brownie points go to Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. Um, and... <laughs> I know I shouldn't, you know, it's tough because the Vikings defense is like historically bad, so it's like fuck, Mac Jones threw for 383, but this game and beyond, again, it's a playoff performance, you're on the road, uh you're playing in what's supposed to be a hostile environment with the crowd, but the, the stretch, the second half stretch of the season for Daniel Jones has been really, really good. He's protecting the football. He's not throwing interceptions. And he is just using his legs, man. He is loving those legs, and they are paying dividends. And I think what I saw a lot, like – Geno Smith, the guy that's not always known to use his legs. These guys want to be relevant in this NFL. They want that contract. And what's going to make them more attractive? The fact that they're not one-dimensional, right? So Daniel Jones, I felt like, was just showcasing the fact that he was like, I can be Josh Allen if you really need me to be. And he ran the football at will, um, threw for 301, 2 scores, did not turn the football over. Uh, so, again, I think he's earned himself a contract, an extension, probably with the Giants. They'd probably be stupid to let him go at this situation. Uh, so he gets my brownie points for the week. Fantastic playoff performance.
2: Nice. Well-deserved. Well, you know what? My brownie points is clearly going to a big um, Brock party. Um, <laughs> 18 for 30. Um, 332 with two tutties. All of that rhymed. Um, but he didn't throw any picks. You know, this is, a, this is a rookie we're talking about, okay? This is a rookie that nobody even looked at and they were hyping up the rookie before him on the team and now he's in the playoffs and this guy has shown nothing that he's you know unprepared he has shown nothing that he's you know freaking out there's been minimal turnovers he's not messing up play calling like there's no delay of game here even rolling out he doesn't look confused he's throwing the ball away immediately or he's trying to like do a spin move that actually works like looks like i'm not looking at a rookie right now looks like i'm looking at somebody who's been playing for like four or five years and that's scary so uh, with this offense and with the running game just saving everything and having these big name guys all over the field with so many skills that any of them can catch the ball at any time and score a touchdown like dude we're talking you know mvp of the super bowl status
0: right now with this type of play if he makes it there with these two touchdowns three touchdowns that's MVP level. Ooh, I kind of I kind of like these early odds. I'm gonna take a look at Brock Purdy's Super Bowl MVP odds. I'll let you probably know. the same as Kirk Cousins' early season odds. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's definitely well deserved. You keep thinking that Brock Purdy is like, dude, this guy's gonna show his rookie yeah. self. Just, Just waiting for him to be a rookie. It's gonna happen this week, and and you know, he shows out every freaking week. Huh. So um, yeah, it's definitely well deserved. All right, so um, you, know, you guys both pick quarterbacks. I'm also going to pick a quarterback this week. My quarterback right. with the brownie point is going to uh, going to let make- me guess. Go ahead, Josh Allen. No, it's not Josh Allen. If Josh it's Allen. It's got to be. It's, it's got to be Trevor Lawrence for you. It, it is. It's Trevor Lawrence. You know, yeah. it, it, the guy gets four interceptions. Uh, first of all, you guys took all the good ones, so I got. <laughs> 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 I know. that's
0: so true we need to change up the rotations every once in a while yeah.
1: but no trevor lawrence there's something to say here right four interceptions in the first half and you think like this guy is done like he looks washed he's not he's not elite and then it's a tale of two you know two halves in the second half uh, comes back at four touchdowns, uh, leads his team to a victory, twenty-seven point comeback, uh, which is the third largest comeback in playoff history. Just, just to be able to do that and have, uh, you know, change your mindset when you go into the half and say that you're going to be, uh, you're going to bring this team back, that earns you a brownie point. So, uh, hats off to Trevor Lawrence, hats off to the Jags organization to be able to come back and win this game. And
0: he celebrated it like any you know normal Joe Schmo would. He went yeah, to. Yeah. Waffle House. He went to Waffle House to celebrate his playoff victory. So he's just one of us, but with better looking hair, you know? Great awards, guys. That wraps up another episode. Wild, wild weekend for Wild Card Weekend. Fun, fun slate of football. We're hoping the divisional round is going to be that much more jam-packed. Better teams, better matchups. Boy, oh boy, we are going to preview it all on Friday. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode. I'm Sweetheart. That's your show. That's Shovit. We're the only playbook. Have a great weekend, guys. Uh, we will see you on Friday.